Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yeah, it was a simple yes or no question, but thanks for filling in the answer. <laughs> yes. Sticks and stones can break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Our names will never hurt us. But the reality is, they can. They do. In fact, it's probably true that a lot of the names that we got and called when we were young or the words that we were called lasted longer in, in our pain and suffering than a broken bone did in healing over time. We may be carrying some of those pain, some of that pain still even today, many years later. I guess we're lying to our kids. Words are powerful. We communicate ideas, we, we have a call to action with words. They evoke emotion. Years ago, uh, between junior and senior year of high school, I was taking an art course at Boston University. And there were kids from all over the country that were, that were there. And this one girl came up to me towards the end of the, the session. Um, it was about six or eight week session. And she said to me, you know, when I first met you, I didn't like you. <laughs> what? Why? She said, no, 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 not that I didn't like you. I really didn't like your name. Well, okay, sorry. She said, well, the reason is that a few years ago, I mean, we were teenagers, but a few years ago, I was raped by a guy named Scott. And so she now connoted suffering and pain and evil with my name. But she said, you know, over the past few weeks that we've gotten to know each other, you've turned me around on that name. I don't view it that way any longer. But there was pain in there. There was suffering in there off of a word that was a name, because a name is a word. Our society has challenged us to, think of, to rethink certain words. And we look at it and say, well, why do we need to do that? You might be looking at this list, and this is just a small snippet of a lot of words that are on various lists of words that offend people for whatever reason, because they have a history. You might look at some of these words and say, what? Why is that word there? What does that even mean? Or people want to change the definition of words. Well, what happens when you do that is communication becomes more difficult. Just because you broaden the, the scope of a definition doesn't mean it makes things clearer. Or trying to use different words often makes us use more words, which can then call into question what it is we're trying to say. But these are words that, that bring, in some cases, for some people, for some people groups, discomfort or pain. And we need to be aware of how words affect other people. We're going to look today at how words affect us physically, and how words affect us spiritually. And before we get into that, let me take a moment to pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are, for what it is that you are doing in my life and in each of our lives. You are an awesome God. We love you, Lord. We adore you. For this next few minutes, Lord, as we, as we come to hear your word, Lord, I pray that the words that I would speak today would not be mine, but rather they would be yours. Anything that I say today that is from me would be quickly forgotten, never to be remembered. 
but anything that is from you will be quickened into our hearts and into our minds, finding fertile soil in both places, that as we leave here today, we look more like your Son, Jesus Christ, to a lost and dying world. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit and the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So as I was doing some research, I found a video on YouTube, which is only a three-minute video, and I was thinking I would try and get it up here, but due to technical difficulties, um, I couldn't get it on. Um, but I want to explain it to you. A renowned neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Lisa Feldman Bennett did some research on how words affect the body. And she came to a conclusion, a couple of conclusions. One is that a kind word can calm you, like a friend who gives you a compliment at the end of a hard day. You feel good about that when someone says, hey, nice job after a long, hard project, or, or hey, you know, maybe you're not feeling so good, but let's hang out. I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. You feel good about it. Scripture knows this. In Proverbs 25, uh, verse 11, it says, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the proper time. How poetic is that? That even just sounds comfortable. Proverbs uh, 15, 23. A person who has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Sorry. Yeah, 15. And finally, Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Scripture understands the, the connection of the words to our bodies, our physical bodies. But it also goes on to say that, that words can impact us negatively, of course. A hateful word from a bully can cause your brain to predict threat and flood your bloodstream with hormones, squandering precious bodily resources. So when a bully comes to you and, and threatens you, adrenaline gets into your system and you, you tense up. Well, honestly, sometimes friends and family can do the same thing to us. We don't need a bully to do it. But Scripture also affirms this. Proverbs 18.6. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth invites beatings. Well, there's your bully. Surprising that it's in there. I'd never saw that before. 15.4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. I remember a number of years ago when I was in high school walking out of a, like a history test and, and at the same time with someone else and saying, hey, man, what did you get for answer two? Oh, that was A. I'm like, are you sure? I think it was B. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was A. Hey, what did you get for a, uh, number two? I got A. You sure it wasn't B? I thought it was B. No, it was definitely A. Oh, I'm crushed. Now, I was getting C's, so it was only one wrong answer amongst others, but I was hoping to get that one right. But we feel that. We feel that. Bennett goes on to say, other people's words have a direct effect on your brain activity and bodily systems. It's how we're wired. She did an experiment, and this is where she got her conclusions, where she had people come in, and they put them onto a brain scanner, which is like an MRI machine. And they lied, laid down there, and they were very still. They had their eyes closed. And they were read a scenario a scenario that incorporated a lot of action and physicality in it. 
And as they were reading this uh, scenario to them, they were taking brain scans of what was happening in the brain as they were responding to what was going on. And what they found was there was a lot of activity in the, in the uh, visual cortex. So that was saying that they were seeing what was happening even though they couldn't see anything. But they also found that there was a lot of brain activity in the motor cortex for movement of arms and legs and whatever. So they were trying to do things that were being read to them, even though they were lying still. But interesting, what they also found was the connection between that and the uh, physiological parts of our body. Things like heart rate, um, breathing, hormone secretion, me metabolism. I'd like to say some words to reduce my, or increase my metabolism, quite frankly. There is a mind-body connection to words. I had a sports psychology class when I was getting my degree in sports psychology, and the teacher had us do this one thing one time. He, he had us come in, and there was a, a, a washer at the end of a, a string, and he told us to put our elbows on the desk, hold our arms very still, let the, let the washer dangle, and just hold it there. Then close our eyes, relax, and see it moving. Just see the washer moving. So we did this for about 30 seconds, felt like an hour. And it told us to open our eyes, and it was moving. We didn't feel like we were moving our hands. We weren't doing this, but it was moving. Because our brain is telling us this is what needs to happen to make that move. And we were doing it imperceptibly, but we were doing it. Everyone in the class was doing it. There is a definite connection between what we're ingesting word-wise and what's happening to us physically. Bennett states that this is all from processing the meaning of words. So we need to be mindful of our verbal impact when we talk to people. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What are you, what's your verbal impact? What's your verbal landscape? In our society today, ecologically, we talk about carbon footprint. Well, what's your verbal footprint? How do people know you verbally? Are, they, are you someone you can, they can trust because they've heard how you speak? Or do you lie? Or do you talk about people behind their backs and they find out? What does your verbal footprint or your verbal landscape look like? So we've seen a connection between words and our physical bodies. Now words and our soul, our spiritual bodies. Why? Why is that particularly important, really? Because that which fills our heart, that which goes inside, is how we live. It's who we believe we are at the core of us. Jesus was talking to Pharisees in Matthew 12, 34, and he says, you offspring of vipers, how can you, being evil, express any good things? For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. As a general rule, as I said, we act what we believe ourselves to be. And who are you? 
Proverbs states it this way in Proverbs 15.28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. We actually think, how should I answer this situation? How should I respond to this? But the mouths of the wicked pours out evil things. They don't think. They don't consider the consequences or future actions. There's like, ah, la, la, la. And then it's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean it. They'd rather apologize for it. But the fact is, they did mean it. He, Jesus continues in talking to the Pharisees in Matthew, continuing in 36 and 37. But I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. We will stand before the judgment seat and God will have our lives up there for us to look at and view. And he will say, what did you do here? What did you do here? What, you said this, you said this, you said this, you said this. Now if we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, to say, okay, you will be justified. For by your words you will be justified. But if that doesn't happen, you will, by your words you will be condemned. And again, Proverbs says it this way, 18.21, Death and life are the power, in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Whether death or whether life, there is eternity in both directions. Which fruit are you eating from? When I was in college, I gave my life to Christ. It was November of one of the semesters. And I remember I was at my girlfriend's apartment as we were getting ready to leave for winter break. Uh, <clears throat> and everyone was packing up and getting ready to leave. And her, she had one roommate who was a believer and another roommate who was an international student who was not a believer. And the international student came up to me at some point, I'm not sure the impetus of the conversation, but she said, you know, you're nicer. What? You're nicer than you used to be. I'm sorry. Did someone help me get the knife out of my back? What? what do you mean, nicer? It's like, I don't know. I can't really explain it. You're just nicer than you, than you were. Okay. Well, when did you notice this? Oh, probably about a month ago. Oh, okay. And she, she left, and I said, that's interesting. About a month. My girlfriend says, that's when you came to Christ. Oh. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Why? Why was I different than I was a month ago? Because God made a difference in my life. God changed that worldview of who I think I am in this world. And because who I thought was different, the things that were important to me in my life were different. And the things that were important to me dictated different behavior, different speech patterns. You know. I grew up, I always thought lying was wrong, but I still did it. Um, but now, I can't say that I don't ever do it, but I do it way less. Because lying is a, has greater importance as a value to not lie than it used to. My behavior is a natural outflow of these new values, which are dictated by who I am by my worldview. See, before I didn't know Christ and I could live however I wanted to live, and I did. I didn't live a crazy life, but I just lived on my own selfishly. 
And God started saying, hey, wake up. And so I started to wake up and think, like, what, who is God, really? Because I always believed in God. I just didn't know him personally. And I realized that there was this chasm between him and I. It could have been this short, but there's no chance of me getting across that chasm. It wasn't until I believed that Jesus Christ was the bridge to do that, to get over that chasm, that took my sin and died with it and then rose from the grave apart from it. That he was the perfect sacrifice because I couldn't be that sacrifice. It's not good enough for God. Sacrificing something else wouldn't have been good enough either. It's still imperfect. But Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And my belief on that is what changed my heart. Knowing that I am with God in heaven eternally. That I have a desire to want to live for God. That's what's at the center of my worldview now. That changes what's important to me. And thus my behavior changes. There's so many weird things that happen at work that I really have no idea about because I don't care. I'm not involved in any of it because I don't want to be involved in any of it. People are making bad choices in their lives because they have a bad worldview, a selfish worldview. Many years later, about a decade or so later, I was at work and I worked for a small publisher and we had presses on site, so we would have to do the press work as well. Not the running of the press, we had a pressman for that. And one time I was working on a project with a guy, and the pressman came in with a, a first run sheet and said, you know, just make sure this is okay, because I don't want to run a thousand of these and it's a mistake on it. So we looked at it, and there was a mistake. Like, oh no. Well, immediately that guy started blaming me, and I started blaming him back. Because I don't want the blame, he didn't want the blame. We both worked on it, so we're both to blame. Figure, well, it started to become an argument. Not, we weren't going to go to fisticuffs, but it was getting to be an argument. It was escalating. But I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of Scripture. It said, a kind answer or a kind word turns away wrath. A kind answer turns away wrath. And I said to this guy, you know, I don't care if I'm to blame or if you're to blame. We just need to get it fixed. Can you help me find the information that we need to get this fixed? So immediately, his countenance changed. He was still grumbling under his breath, but he wasn't arguing. He wasn't trying to assign blame anymore. He half-heartedly helped me find whatever I was trying to find and just went and sat down. I found it. We fixed it. So be it. But I would have wanted to keep going with that argument. I didn't want to be wrong because I knew that the process that I worked, I couldn't have been wrong. It was not possible for me to be wrong. <laughs> right? So, but God had changed my heart. And then he spoke to me, giving me this passage. That's Proverbs 15.1, by the way. So where does this faith to believe come from? Romans 10.17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. He awakens us to be able to listen and we need to not ignore. Is he telling you, you need to know me. You need to know who I am. Become a believer in me. Or, do you already know him? 
and you're going through something difficult, and he's saying, I'm here. I haven't gone anywhere. You're not reaching to me. If there's a question as to the, the connection between God and his word, the Apostle John writes in first chapter, verse 1, talks about categorically asserting the importance of the word in relation to God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. They are one. He provides us with a powerful new verbal landscape to share with the world. There's power in his word to illuminate the world around us. He goes on in verse 3 and 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Capital L, light. And the light shines in the darkness. Here's what I found interesting. This harkens back to Genesis. Chapter 1 and, oh, by the way, verses 3 and 4. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God just spoke it into existence. He didn't have to mold it into something and say, look, I made light. Let there be light. There was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Let's go back to John. In him was the life, and the light was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness. He separated the light and the dark in Genesis, but now, with the advent of Christ, he shines the light into the darkness. There is a way out of the darkness. Jesus himself calls, calls himself the light. John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hearing the word brings eternal life of God. Shines a light into our lives so that we can see ourselves for who we really are. We won't like that. Spoiler alert. But with Christ... We can like the end result. We can change fundamentally, and we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be frustrated or be confused or be angry or be fill in the blank. We don't need to be. Look, there are a lot of hard things that people are going through in their lives right now. Here in this room, maybe watching the live stream, out in the world. I don't mean to minimize any of that. But as believers in Christ, we don't need to be any of those things because we have Jesus Christ. We can speak the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, because there's power in his name. My name, to a certain extent, changed the, the, the feelings of one girl 30-some years ago from, from something she connoted as negative and evil to something she was okay with. But Christ can do so much more for every single person all at the same time. You can't lose his power. He doesn't diminish in power. I have three final scripture references. I'm kind of throwing a lot at you here. John 16, 23. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Just find out yourself what your motives are. Why are you asking? Philippians 2.9 For this reason God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow on heaven, on, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Definitively, that it is yours. As I said, I threw a lot of scripture references at you. It can be a bit overwhelming. So I'm going to issue a challenge to you. You can go to the next slide. Proverbs, a bunch of Proverbs. You can take a picture of this slide or you can watch it on the uh, YouTube uh, later. My challenge is this. Every day, pick a proverb and meditate on it. It's about good words. It's about the use of bad words. It's a, some of them are a mix of good and bad. It'll take you three weeks to get through this. It's a nice habit to get into. Challenge yourself. What is your verbal landscape? And who's in charge of it? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much again for who you are and what it is you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the challenge of, of the power of the words in our lives. We live in a society that's, that's difficult. A society has always been difficult, Lord. But we live in this one, and we have to live in this one and deal with the people here now. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and guidance as, as you change our hearts and our minds to know how to handle situations because we love you first and foremost. And that changes what's important to us, which alters our behavior, alters our words that we can be the light in this world simply by your name, calling on your name. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do all things. And the name that is above all names, that of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.